0: Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we'll feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On February 16th, 2016, 12 storytellers shared their stories with a sold-out crowd at Holyhound Hound Tap Room in downtown York. The theme for the evening was sick, so we heard a lot of tales of various body fluids emitting from various parts of people's bodies. Brad Jennings had the highest score with his story about a few times when he was sick.
1: Here's Brad. Okay, so um, one morning while I was in the bathroom, I passed out while taking a really intense shit. And at the emergency room, the doctor asked me what happened, and I said, it felt like I had to shit out a football, like a regulation NFL football. And it was painful, and I couldn't make it stop, and I got sweaty, and I got dizzy, and I got lightheaded, and I passed out. And the ER doctor asked me, has anything like this ever happened before? And I said, yes. Uh, It wasn't the football deal. It was like more of a regular, bad, intense bathroom situation. Uh, But it was many years ago, and I was in the situation, and I got sweaty, and I got dizzy, and I got lightheaded. But what I did, was I kicked my pants off my ankles to get some better leverage. (laughs) And a couple minutes later, I took off my shirt to wipe the sweat off of my forehead, and then used it as a, like a pillow when I put my head in my hands, just for some comfort. But it didn't matter. I got more sweaty, more dizzy, more lightheaded, and I passed out. And when that happened, my body went into convulsions. And my wife at the time came running to see what was going on, and she opened up the bathroom door, and what she saw was me, unconscious, convulsing, completely naked. (laughs) At that point, I fell on the floor, and I kind of uh, woke up, and she said, don't worry, the ambulance is on the way. And I looked down, saw that I was naked, Realized I had a shit-smeared ass. And I said, no, cancel the ambulance. Cancel the ambulance. So we canceled the ambulance. I told the ER doctor that story, mostly. And she asked if anything like that had had ever happened again. And I said, "Uh, well, almost. A couple years ago, um, I took my boss to a Phillies game, and on the way there, we stopped at a bar for a drink and I got the feeling like there was going to be an intense bathroom situation. So I ran to the men's room, and when I went in there, I saw four things. Two urinals, one toilet stall, one oversized bathroom attendant wedged between the sink and the toilet stall. So I'm in the toilet stall, releasing all kinds of hell and fury, and I'm getting sweaty and dizzy and lightheaded. And apparently I was getting a little smelly because the attendant stood up reached over the stall wall, and emptied a can of air freshener on top of me. I think that helped bring me back to life. I was able to finish up and get out of there without incident. I I tipped the attendant. I felt like I owed him that much. We got to the Phillies game, and uh, the feeling came back. So I ran into the bathroom at the Philly Stadium, and if you've ever been to a Philadelphia sports venue's bathroom, you know it's no place for the week. Um, But there I was, um, very sweaty, very dizzy, very lightheaded. And just before I passed out, I texted my boss, need help, find me in bathroom stall. And I have to imagine him looking at this text message with no context. And asking himself, how much do I really even like this guy? (laughs) Luckily for me, I never had to find out because somehow I got through it. I was able to leave the bathroom and off to the game we went. So I told the ER doctor that story, kind of. And she said, has anything else ever made you pass out? And I said, yes, I'm very squeamish. Um, The sight of or even the thought of people with gross bodily injuries makes me want to faint. So the emergency room is an awesome place for me to be. Like when the attendants were changing the bed next to mine uh, and were chattering about all the victims that were coming in from this really gnarly car crash, I got a little sweaty. And when the woman across from me with the third degree facial burns was moaning in pain, got a little dizzy. And when the announcement came over the intercom, uh, housekeeping to the triage bathroom housekeeping to the triage bathroom. I got a little lightheaded. But luckily, a minute later, the doctor came, told me what had happened to me, said I was free to leave, and I got the heck out of there. Four days later, I had a follow-up with my family doctor, and he comes in the room, and he's studying the notes that he'd gotten from the ER, and he says, So, did you ever shit out that football? (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's my shitty story.
0: Since Brad had already earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November, the next spot went to David Weissman, who told us about a time from his childhood when he pretended to be sick so he could stay home from school. Here's his story.
2: Alright, so the first time that I met JJ, um, she told me her life story for my own benefit. I'm a reporter, so I figure the. To make it fair, I can tell my most embarrassing story for her benefit, I guess. (laughs) Um, So I've been sick a lot. Pneumonia, bronchitis, a lot of uh, flu stuff. Uh, But this is about a time that I faked sick. Uh, So I was 13. My religion uh, said I was a man. But my girl, wow, my uh, voice said I was an 8-year-old girl. Anyway, at 13, I just discovered what happens when you turn off the safe search on Google Filter. <laughs> Hormones going crazy around that time. I—that's uh, all I wanted to do. <laughs> Ever. Uh, but I lived with a fairly large family, and there were no locks on the door to the computer room, so my my time for it was fairly limited. So my bright idea was that I needed to fake sick, stay home from school, and that was what I was going to do that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that time, I did not realize that we had a maid that comes <laughs> every couple of weeks. I always just figured my mom was the one that made the blue water and folded the toilet paper in a very pleasant way. <sighs> so the sound was up real loud because I never never used sound before. <laughs> uh, I was in the upstairs room. she probably she probably started with the downstairs. Uh, she, She eventually got upstairs, saw the door was closed. I don't know why I still decided to close the door, but... I hear a knock on the door. And remember that I'm 13, and what happens when you're 13? Your voice cracks. So, what I said was, don't come in. It probably sounded like, come in. So... So she came in, <laughs> didn't seem very impressed. <laughs> and I don't know how many of you frequent these websites that you can get to, but, but made is a very popular category. And, uh, and that's, that's what I was watching at the time. And I never faked sick again. Thank you.
0: Thank you, David, for that very personal glimpse into your childhood. Our final story on this month's podcast features Susan Jennings. She told us about some of the life lessons she learned while she was on maternity leave.
3: I'm Brad's wife. I collected him from the floor one time. I'm not here to talk about that. I really need both hands. Oh, well. Okay, so I don't know if you guys know this, but parenthood is disgusting. You learn this early on. For women, you learn it during pregnancy when this beautiful new life form is wreaking havoc on your body. And then both parents learn it during childbirth when that beautiful new life form is emerging in a pool of blood and goo. And you go through a period of ritualistic hazing that starts when you have an infant that introduces you to more and more disgusting parenthood situations. And one of the most memorable ones from uh, when I had my first daughter happened um, when I was home on maternity leave with her. And it started with this little pink mitten. And it was the type of mitten that you put on an infant's hand to make sure that they don't scratch their face and make them look like they've been attacked by a badger or a wolverine. And um, so that's where the story begins. There is one day when I am, no doubt in front of a pile of dirty dishes and a pile of dirty laundry, holding a newborn. And I look out in my yard, and I see something on a pile of leaves, and I say, hmm, that's weird, what's that? And I think maybe, oh, that looks like one of those little pink mittens that I put on on Lily's hands to prevent her from scratching her face and making her look like she was attacked by a wolverine. But I don't go out and get it, because at that point in time, having a newborn anything beyond just caring and feeding for that child seems like it's like climbing Everest. So I don't go outside and get the mitten from the yard, which is a decision I'd come to regret. So a couple of days later, um, it's the afternoon. There's some peace and quiet in the house, which rarely happens when you have a newborn. Lily is sleeping in her infant swing so peacefully, and I'm preparing to go back to work from my maternity leave. Since I had made the decision to nurse Lily, it was time to... um, I I wanted to use my breast pump to start expressing milk. Um, For those of you who have never used a breast pump before, which I am assuming is no more than half of you, (laughs) um, here's how it goes. So you have your breast pump, which comes in some sort of bag, at least mine did, and there's a motor to it, and it attaches to two tubes and then it attaches to a bottle and there's some some like funnel type things that you attach to your breasts and uh, they just, you press a button and the pump starts going. And it works on this 10 to 15 minute cycle. You don't really want to interrupt the cycle. This is an important part of the story. You don't want to interrupt the cycle because then you have to start over again with the expressing and, and all that. If you've ever been on a tour at Peridale to see how the dairy cows <laughs> milk, it's a lot like that. So it's the afternoon, and the other thing with the the breast pump is that you know the goal is to be relaxed. You're in a serene setting. You're just hanging out because it's important when you're pumping to not have stress because that affects your milk production. It's all bullshit because it sucks milking. It sucks pumping. You're just it's. It's never relaxing. So here I am. It's relaxed. Baby's asleep. Sitting on the couch. Turn on the HGTV. Watch a little house hunters. Get my pump ready. Sitting there. Okay, here we go. Press the button. Cycle starts. Pumping. The dog wanders into the living room. We have this little beagle mix named Snacks. His name is very appropriate. And he wanders into the living room and he looks like he's in some sort of abdominal distress. And he starts doing this thing where he's, like, craning his neck, you know, like that. And he starts making this horrible gagging noise. (laughs) (laughs) And I realize, as I'm sitting there pumping, that he's about to throw up all over the living room carpet, which, if I haven't mentioned, is white. So I'm sitting there, baby's asleep. I see the dog's about to yak all over the rug, and I'm like, Snacks! Try to move him aside. (laughs) (laughs) Snacks! Aside! Snacks! That just pushes him a little bit further down the carpet where he proceeds to throw up the contents of a stomach in a big, bile-covered, colored pile of goo, in the middle of which sat the little pink mitten from the yard. And I was like, hey! (laughs) <laughs> that's where that went and then I was like oh it's going to stain the rug and I'm like you know what I can't control the situation right now it's a very important lesson to learn early on in parenthood that you have no control and so I sit there and I wait for the and I watch as, as the stain sets in and the dog kind of all of a sudden turns around and sniffs starts sniffing at the little pile of vomit like it's seeing a steak, and he proceeds to gobble it all up. (laughs) And again, there's nothing I can do. This is an important lesson. It prepared me for later lessons in parenthood where my toddler pooped in the bathtub every time she would get in, or my 2-year-old threw a 45-minute tantrum because I asked her to put on a pair of pants or the day that my two little girls decided to spend nap time painting their carpet. These are all important <laughs> lessons to learn about control. So um, so the moral, of, well, incidentally, we have still not seen that mitten. It's never come back up. I'm assuming it could reappear any day on our living room carpet, which we have replaced and is now dark gray and very shaggy. And that's my story.
0: Sorry about the white carpet, Susan. Our next event is scheduled for Tuesday, March 15th, when we'll draw 10 names from the hat to tell stories based on the theme, luck. Remember, you can purchase tickets on our website, YorkStorySlam.com, and while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook. Our podcast is produced with support from The Beer Ace, Find them at TheBeerAce.com. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services.
3: Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at WilsonMediaServices.com.